Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Listen, we've been talking about Grow and Build for the last few Sundays. Of course, we had Celebrate Women's Day in the middle of that, etc. But I want to get back on track with that today because I believe that for every single one of us, an appetite to grow is one of the hallmarks of the Holy Spirit activity in our life. This is Pentecost Sunday, they tell me, according to the uh, liturgical calendar, and a lot of churches will be speaking about that. But all I want to say about that this morning is this, that if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, there will be a hunger to become more like Jesus. There will be a hunger to learn more of how to serve Jesus. There will be a desire in your life to allow God to grow your world larger than what it is. Let me take you to 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 10. It says this, So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Now in my old Bible that I have still got at home, the first Bible I bought when I became a Christian, uh, an old King James Version with the wide margin. Some of you remember what that looks like. But in that Bible, I still remember seeing there that in that verse, it said, and David went on. And then it had a one that took you to the margin in the middle saying, here's an expansion of what that word means. And it was written by the translators, the scholars that were a part of putting that reference point together. It says this, and David went on going and growing and became great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. I'll say it to you again. And David went on, not just going on, but he went on going and growing. It seems to me that every one of us will go on in life, but not everyone goes on growing. Some people stop. Some people have difficulties and that's where their life of growth ends. Some people achieve a measure of success and that's where their life stops where they cease to grow any further. In verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 5, if you were to read it, you would discover that this guy David, after a life of persecution, after all the great highs of killing Goliath and then being hunted by the former king for so many years and all the difficulties that went along with all of that. But you'll discover that in verse 1, he's finally made king over united Israel. In verse 6, they achieve one of the greatest victories in all of the Old Testament, in certainly in David's life. He goes to Jerusalem and Jerusalem, the people, the inhabitants of that place, the Jebusites, had said, you know what, even a blind person could keep an enemy out of here. It's so well fortified. There's no way you're going to overcome this. There's no way that you can conquer this issue. There's no way the doctors have said or the accountant has said or the boss has said or a relative has said or somebody has told you that you're never going to get beyond all this. And David uh, absolutely wins a victory and claims Jerusalem as his home base. And so he's right at the peak of his powers. It's an amazing time. Everything he's touched now starts to turn to absolute gold. It's a phenomenal time in his life. That's why verse 10 matters so much that David, after all of that, 
David goes on going and growing in his life. Some people grow through problems, but in my experience, even fewer than that grow past success in their life. They achieve a a level of maturity as a Christian. They've heard a lot of sermons or read a lot of the Bible or got some training or input and then stop growing. Now it becomes, well, now I've been there and I've done that and I know and I've arrived. Can I tell you, none of us until we step over this threshold of life into the eternal life that we've already begun, until we step out of this life into that life, we will continue to grow. And some theologians would argue that even beyond it, we will continue to grow. I'm here to tell you that grow and build ought to be the normal Christian life. It ought to be the normal church life. It ought not to be an argument over what do I have to do and where can I pause and haven't I done enough already? And you know, I've done my bit. It's now time for someone else. But really growing and building is not only our present, but it's our future as well. Now, the opposite situation to David is a guy we also all know fairly well, I would imagine, a guy called Abraham. Abraham has heard God's promise clearly, and yet years have dragged on, and there's absolutely no answer in sight. Here is this guy who's been believing for a long, long time and nothing seems to have shifted. Some of you here will be able to identify with that kind of feeling of God. I've been praying and nothing's moved. I've been asking. Nothing seems to have come as an answer. And that's why this guy, Abraham, in Romans chapter 4, is the poster guy of faith. He's the guy that they call the father of all them that believe. Not all of them that are Christians, but the father of all the people that are believers. The people that are not satisfied until the answer comes. The people that are not content just to sit back and say, oh, well, it must not have been the will of God. But the people who say, I'm going to ask, ask and keep on asking. I'm going to knock and keep on knocking. I'm going to seek and keep on seeking until I find that. Like Paul said, he said, I have not arrived. He said, but I'm continuing on. I'm pressing on so that I might apprehend that for which I was apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says on that road to Damascus, there was something that got my life. There was something that caught me and I've never ceased chasing after it through all the persecution and all the difficulty and all the wonderful miracles that God did did for him. If anybody could have paused and said, enough's enough, I'm just going to retire quietly and write my memoirs, it would have been Paul, but he kept on going right to the end. Amen. Turn to your neighbour right now and say, I'm going right to the end in Jesus' name. You know, if you're running the 400 metre race, they don't give you the medal because you ran the first hundred. They don't say to you, wow, you did great. But they say you get it when you finish, when you cross the finish line. Amen. And so I want to be one of those people. I hope you do too as well. Somebody who goes, I'm running for the finish line and I'm running strongly. Come on, Christian. If you're one of those people who's gotten snowed down and worn down by all the pressure or by all of the disappointment and by all the 
the things that have come against you or by the difficulties you're in right now. I want you to hear this this morning. I'm praying that God, the Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost Sunday will come afresh to your life. Ephesians says, be filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek, it means to be continually being filled. In other words, you're never so full that you put the lid on and stop and say, I've got it now. No matter who you are, there's always more for your life. There's always more for your Christian life. There's always more wisdom, more understanding, more power, more anointing. You have not got all the anointing God has. You've got not all the insider revelation that God has. So let's keep going for more in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Romans chapter 4, which I've mentioned already. Here it is in verse 17. This is what the Scriptures mean when God told him, that's the Abraham, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. This guy Abraham, a man who knew what it was like to go a long journey, Verse 18 goes on, it says this, watch this, who against hope or contrary to hope in hope believed. Naturally speaking, his hopes have not come to pass, but he continued with hope in his heart that he might become the father of many nations according to what was spoken by God, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, just because it took longer, just because there were disappointments, just because of the passage of the calendar in his life, he did not consider his own body now dead since he was about 100 years old. He knew who he was. He knew the, the possibilities. He knew what the natural world said about his body, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Oh, I pray today that every one of us will get strengthened in faith because then we'll give glory to God and being fully convinced that what God promised, He was able also to perform and therefore was accounted to Him for righteousness. Oh, this morning, Christian, I really want you to have a heart that says, God, I'm, I started with hope and God, I haven't seen it yet, but God, I'm going to continue. You know, I don't know about you, but my world in some ways I see large spaces and places and things that God is doing around the earth. A little bit later in the year, I'll be speaking at a Middle East conference. And, uh, you know, my friend who's been in this church and preached here, Fakri Hannah, and uh, whenever I speak to him, he says that the entire Arab world is poised for revival and that God is moving by His Spirit, doing amazing things and all the rest of it. And I love that heart that just says, you know what, have I seen it yet? No, I have not. Has it come to pass yet? No, it has not. But like Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. Now, the first kind of hope that's mentioned there, who contrary to hope, is the natural kind of hope, the I hope so hope that we're all familiar with. It's connected to our natural expectations and the natural predictions of what is possible. It's connected to our past experiences, who we are, what we think we're capable of. But the second kind of hope, do you know it's exactly the same word in the Greek? It's not a different word. 
It's not like somehow or other God says, you've got to get rid of that natural hope. And there's this mystical, supernatural kind of hope that a few people find. He actually says it's exactly the same kind of hope in your life. Every single one of us have got the raw materials for this second kind of hope. If you've ever said, I hope so, then you have got the raw material to be able to go to second stage hope, who contrary to hope, believed in hope that that word would come to pass. Same word, same kind of hope, but when it's connected to a divine promise, it becomes supernaturally empowered. It becomes something different. I don't know about the rest of you here, but I can testify that there is a sustaining thing of the Holy Spirit. There is this thing of the Holy Spirit that when your hope would run out, He comes and helps you. And He reminds you. There are things that we as a church have been praying for, some of them for a long period of time. And whenever I'm tempted as, a, as one of the leadership to, to kind of step aside and go, oh well, oh well, or whatever else, I feel the Holy Spirit come. Do you know what I mean by that? You know what it's like to be in prayer and you feel like, telling God all that's not happened and all the reasons why it hasn't come to pass and yet you feel the Holy Spirit come and instead of leaving depressed and resigned to your fate, you leave that place of prayer with a sense of, yes, God, yes, God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, God, yes, God. You know, and you get that in your life and then you kind of wonder, what happened to you? You know, what happened to the you that a minute ago was giving up? Well, it's because it got connected to a divine promise and a divine place. And so that's what happened to this guy, Abraham, whenever he did. And he did doubt, by the way. Doubt's not a sin. Unbelief's a sin. Just wondering is not a sin. This guy went through a period of going, God, you said, but. God, you said, well, where is it? Right at the very end of Genesis 17, he said, God, what are you doing here? He said, the heir of my house is one Eliezer of Damascus. He's not even our people. And I'm going to leave it all to him. And the Lord comes and speaks to him again and says, I've got this for you. Come on. I feel this morning like there's some of you here that God wants to resurrect a word He gave you years ago. He wants to turn it back on in your life again. He wants to tell you, I said I'd do it. I said I'd do it. I'm not a man that I should lie, neither the son of man that I should repent. He says, I'm going to do that thing that I promised you. I'm going to lift your life. I'm going to use your life. I'm going to open that door. And this is what Abraham does. And because he believes God and because he holds on to that, he goes from I hope so to I expect so. He goes from well, it'd be nice to a confident expectation of good in his life. Let me tell you three things about the second kind of hope that make it so attractive for your life. Number one is that this second kind of hope anchors my life in contrary times. There's something about it. You know, I've discovered, I've seen God do miracles that were instant. Boom. And oh, I wish that I could make that happen every time. But you know, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And none of us like that when we're in the living by faith bit. Amen. Huh? 
when your business sales are going down, when the, org, when the, the sales chart looks like a ski slope rather than an upward climb and you're there in that space praying over your business, all of a sudden you're in the living by faith space. We go, ah! And God goes, it's all right. I got this. And in contrary times where we say, God, you said, but. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9 has encouraged me so often over the years. It says this in Hebrews chapter 2. So in that he put everything in subjection under him, that's Jesus. He left nothing that's not put under him. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. He's not waiting for victory. He's not waiting for a name above every other name. He's got it already. There he sits beside the Father at the right hand of the Father. But it says in that he did that, he didn't leave anything out. There is not a thing you can name that is not subject to the Lordship of Christ. But the verse goes on and says, but we do not yet see all things put under him. How many people here this morning have got something that you would say about it? Well, he's Lord of all, but I don't see it there yet. He's Lord over my family. He said it's a lamb for a house. He said that the unbelieving children are sanctified by the believing parent. God, you told me all that. You said that my children would be round about my table like olive plants. And that is the bearers of oil, the bearers of the anointing, that my children would bring anointing to my life. God, you promised all this, but Lord, I don't see that. You said my seed would be blessed, Lord, but I don't see that yet. You are in the first part of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8. For we see not yet all things put under His feet. But then it goes on, thank God that it goes on. Verse 9 says, but we see Jesus. I don't see it yet, but I see Jesus. I don't see yet all my problems solved, but I see Jesus. I don't yet see every need met, but I see Jesus. I don't yet see everybody healed that needs healing, but I see Jesus. And I look at everything and I see Jesus in the midst. And I want to tell you this morning, whatever you are not seeing, make sure you see Jesus in its place. Make sure you see Jesus because this first kind of hope, this, sorry, this second kind of hope will anchor you in the contrary times. When stuff, oh, I feel this morning like God just wants to get us and go, let me just uh, apply a, a charger to your life. Amen. Well, that's what the Bible calls it. It says when we speak in other tongues, it says he that speaks in other tongues edifies himself. And the Greek word means to charge up. Amen. We're living in a world right now that's full of batteries. Are we? There isn't anybody here to know about charging. You know, some of you here maybe already got a car and you've got to plug it in because it's too late to charge it up when you need it. Amen. If the battery's gone flat and in the middle of the night you go, ah, I need to run down to the shop to get some custard. <laughs> well, I've done that. Cooked a dessert and there's no custard. How can you have, how can you have dessert without custard? It's like, it's a sin. You've got to have it. In the middle of the night, you're going to go down there, but you never charged it up. How many people know you need charging before you need to use whatever it is? Amen. 
You need the charging then. Come on, every single one of us, don't wait for the Holy Spirit to come and sweep over you like the day of Pentecost. Start saying, I'm going to get charged up now. I want to be ready for what God's going to do, not wait like those five foolish virgins who wait until they heard the sound of the bridegroom coming and then they went running around like chooks. Pardon me, I better rephrase that because people not from Australia. Like chickens with their heads cut off. And even that you might not get. That's another Aussie expression, I'm sure. Uh, but anyhow, I'm trying to think what's another way to say it. You don't want to wait until you need God to find God. Amen? Come on, let your heart right now. You go, oh, Jeff, but you don't understand. Work just really is hard. And God, I'm going through it. And God, I feel worn out and I'm just so tired. God, I'm just bleh, 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 bleh. Carve out a bit of time every day and say, God, I'm just going to pray. Just give him five minutes. You go, well, five minutes wouldn't do anything. Well, I'd do more than three. And I'd definitely do more than zero. Amen. Amen. You're still stuck and I hope so. Well, I did that for my sister, Ellen. She says to me, she says, I hate it when you do that. Ellen. Come on. You know, some are still stuck in, I hope so. Well, you know, and praise God, my life just really horrible. But oh. And then someone comes up, you know, it's like you go and encourage someone and they turn around and go, and go, yeah, I hope so. And you know darn well there's no hope in it at all. Huh? They're just fobbing you off. Come on. Let's get rid of the, oh, I hope no. Oh, I hope no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Come on, I hope so. And then they want to show you all their scars. Don't worry, I'm not going to do it. The, the second kind of hope will anchor you in those contrary times. Here's number two. The second kind of hope will lead you past good enough to great. Oh, please hear me, because this is a church full of very successful people. And lots of you have achieved much but I just want to challenge you because David went on and became great. Now, here's the funny part about that. He's already famous and he's already wealthy. The two things that the world tells you is what greatness is made of. How many people are following you? Huh? You know what I mean? I got a million followers. I don't really care because they ain't coming to help you in the middle of the night. Not a one of them, but we will. Hmm. Oh, I just let that one go. He's already famous. He's certainly already wealthy. He's got more than enough money. So what does it mean to become great then? If greatness isn't how popular you are or how well known you are, if greatness is not how much you have, what is greatness? I believe great is a thing of the spirit, a thing of your inner life. It's not what you have, but it's what has you that determines whether you are great. I believe greatness is a passion for the things of God that takes me beyond what everybody, when everyone else has just said, that's good enough. Something of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I've got to tell you, I just love this so much about the Holy Spirit is that it seems to me he always keeps whispering, saying, you know, there's more, don't you? You know, there's more. I don't want to go to heaven and see drag marks. And seven, 17 worn-out angels. 
over the side and I say, what was that? And he goes, my, you were so much trouble to get there. Amen. I want to be like, I wish, wish I had chariots of fire music. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, dun, 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 dun. All the younger ones are going. It's a famous movie about a famous Christian. All right? Dun, 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 dun. A chariot of fire. Dun, 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 dun. Look it up. Google it later, yeah. Shucks. I love that about this guy. If you watch the movie, it's incredibly inspiring. But you know, I could go, when we have our My Story, do you know what's amazing about it is all these people that are out of our church or are close to our church and we hear their story and you hear about it and you go, there's somebody who could have given up. There's somebody who could have stopped. But they decided that good was not their stopping point. But great is. Here's the last one, number three. The second kind of hope strengthens me when weakness is normal. When weakness would be the most obvious option and the one that most people would take. Hope, that second kind of hope, the one connected to a promise of God, strengthens me then. You know, in 2 Samuel 5, the verse we started with, the word great comes from a root word meaning to twist or entwine. Do you remember last week I spoke on that vine and being twisted around the things of God? being entwined around about the life of God, same word. The word great there comes from a root word meaning to twist around about. Here I have some twine. Luke, would you come for a minute, please? Thank you. I shall show you my amazing strength. No, no, not that one. You hold that one. You can hold that up to me. Because I've been working out a bit lately. Picking up babies, mostly. So watch this. Let's hope I can do it again. Unless Rhonda had weakened the last one. But I'm pretty sure. Do I get a drum roll for this? Is John around? Where's John? Not there? Pity. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's, it's, worth, it's worth the wait, trust me. Do they preach like this in Korea? They do here. Ready? That, same string, exactly the same. But instead of one, just three that are twisted together. Not closely, tightly plaited either, by the way. Just string, same stuff. The only difference is there's just three. You know, there's three for every one of us. There's you, there's the Holy Spirit, and then there's the church. Three parts, and you want to get all three. Amen. You want to make sure, well, you already got the you bit, but get the you bit that says, I'm going to entwine my life around about the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm not just going to put him in the benediction. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, let's get out of here. 
Well, seriously, some churches I've been in, that's the only place the Holy Spirit ever had to go. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, quick, let's go and have a cup of coffee. Huh? But if you entwine your life around about it, just three, same bits of string that I broke, and I really didn't find that hard. Now, I hate to tell you, but I'm 90 kilos. And this can take my weight and Luke on the other end, all because of what? Because there's just three things that are twisted together. And literally, if we had the time, I was going to get Luke to suspend me. (laughs) But I didn't want to have to pay for the physio for Luke afterwards. (laughs) Think about it a minute. As simple as that. Just the same strength. Can I tell you, you aren't strong enough on your own. And neither am I. You haven't got what it takes for everything that's going to come your way. You and I had better discover the powerful principle of entwining our life around the Holy Spirit in fellowship with others. Amen. The Holy Spirit's invisible, so you need another visible one. That's why in this church we're forever talking about community, about being connected. It's not because we're going, well, you know, we hope that if they meet someone, they'll like them, and then they might stay. That would be so low grade that it's unworthy. Come on. It's not about that. It's about making something strong enough in your life that'll hold together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12 says this, that a threefold cord is not easily broken. We've seen that. You know, David and Abraham started small. They began insignificant and overlooked both of them. But they went on and became great because they built a second kind of hope in their life. They went from I hope so to I put my hope in God And I expect so. Let me finish with this Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Team can come, please. It says this, Now may the God of hope, now may the God of hope, that's who he is. But he's not talking about, God's not sitting in heaven today going, gee, I hope so. (laughs) You know, I told them all that I was going to make a new heavens and a new earth. and Oh, I hope so. I told them that I was coming back. Oh, I hope so. That's not it. He's the God of hope, of confidence, strong expectation. May He fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Can I say to you that until I get to the point of joy and peace in my believing, I'm not in believing yet. As long as it's all God, no, I'm afraid. I haven't got to believing yet. I'll leave that with you. Joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, hope doesn't mean that I sit back and say, well, God, it's up to you because both David and Abraham had work to do. The promise just didn't happen by itself. They committed to trust and they committed to focus on the promise and the power of God and what He could do. Let me read you that verse in the message version. It says this, Oh, may the God of green hope fill you up with joy, fill you up with peace so that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit will brim over with hope. Isn't that what you want? I know that's what I want. Oh, does that mean all your problems disappear? No, Abraham's didn't. 24-year journey, 25 actually. David's journey, we don't know how long, but certainly well over a decade. 
But even the great thing about David, when he got to success, he never let his heart shrink back into smallness. He said, I'm going to keep on going. I don't know which one you might be today. I don't know whether you're in a place where your life's going so good, you just go, couldn't get any better. Please go on to great. Or maybe you're somebody here today and you go, Jeff, my life is such a basket case, such a mess. Why don't you let God come into your life? Why don't you let God lead you? Regardless of which one you are, we all need God. We're made for God. There's something supernatural inside every human being that calls out for God. Doesn't matter who you are. One of the leading atheists of Australia wrote in, there was a journalist, wrote in the newspaper some years ago, I remember reading it. Think about these words from someone who avows that there is no God. He said, if you can look out at a star-filled sky at night and not have a heart filled with wonder, then I wonder if you are truly human. What he's echoing is that thing inside of all of us that's got nothing to do with the genes and the chemicals and the parts that make up your physical life. It's the part of you that God put. It's the part of you that's God breathed because He made Adam out of the dust of the earth. We already know the chemical composition of a human body. And if that's all we were, then we are just another animal. We're just another life form. We're just something else that happened to come about. But that verse goes on and says, and God breathed into Adam and he became a living spirit. God breathed into him. Can I tell you what Australia needs right now is people that have been God breathed into. What we need is to be people that have let God breathe into our life. God, what will you do? I'll breathe in my life. For some of you, the starting point, the first step is that you will receive Jesus. You'll trust Jesus. You'll say to Jesus, I'm going to allow you to lead my life. I'm going to turn the reins of my life over to you. I'm going to start building a threefold cord. Because they're one on its own, too easily broken. If it hasn't happened yet, it will. Or else you can start to say, God, I'm going to surrender to you. See, each one of these threads, they're not just separated because then they'd still be just as weak as ever. It's in the twisting of them together the twining of them together, that the strength comes. Come on, I know I'm talking to people this morning, whoever you are, you might be in front of me here in the building or else you're online with us, maybe now or later. But you know in your own heart that something inside of you is saying you need this. Something inside of you is saying this is you. This is God talking to you. Maybe you've decided God's old fashioned and you don't need Him anymore, but right now the Holy Spirit is saying to you, no, 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 I'm here. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank You for every single person that's a part of this service now or in the days to come online, however it may be. Speak, Lord, to us. We're listening to You. We're not going to fob it off. We're not saying it's emotion. We're saying we're listening to You. We're saying You're speaking to us. We acknowledge it, Lord, and we want to respond to You. We want to give You our yes. We want to say, Jesus, I need You in my life. If that's You right now, wherever You are, I'm going to pray a prayer and you can pray it just where you sit. Make it your prayer. Say these words after me. Lord Jesus, I need You. I acknowledge that. I want You in my life. Please come in and save me. I surrender to You. Thank You, Jesus. Here's my yes. Amen. Amen. Father, thank You for those people. 
Thank You for what this represents, the awesome beginning, a great start in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. You can look this way. If you've said yes to Jesus, why don't you follow that up and let us help you? If you would send your yes, why yes? Just that. I guess Pastor Bruce would work if they just sent the letter Y, wouldn't it? We'd still know. But send us your yes to 0488 Now this might sound like a very, I don't know, kind of like with the doctor's surgery in there, want your yes to confirm your appointment. Now this is just a simple way to put some legs, if you like, to what you've just done in your heart. You send us your yes or you send it to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, the very next day, because we, this moment to us is one of the most important things in our entire life, is that you say yes. And we will be praying for you first and foremost. Then we'll send you a Bible verse and a prayer, different every day. We send it to you for 30 days. There's more if you want it, but it's totally without charge and totally without any strings attached. But we want you to follow Christ. Can we just give people like that a big hand and say, we love you, we're praying for you, we're believing for you. In Jesus' Name. Father, help us today. God, I pray for those people that are right now jotting that number down, 488 They're right now saying, I'm going to send in that email. Lord, I pray for them that as they get the the Bible verse and the prayer, that they'll grow phenomenally with You. In Jesus' Name. Amen. 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 Well, I pray that you'll be a grower and you'll be a builder in your life. In Jesus' Name. Now, in just a minute, Pastor Ray will be online to pray with people who need prayer. John and Trudy Hill will be back in the prayer space. As you leave the lower level of the auditorium on the right-hand side, they'd love to spend time praying with you. But just before we go, cafe will be open, of course. Don't forget, tonight, grow at five o'clock. Pastor David Schaefer, what a man of God. That was so great. And then next Sunday, five, again, it'll be just an amazing, amazing time together for sure. Let's stand together and worship. Ready? Come on, team. Thank you. We're going to sing together this song because I've spoken about entwining your life, all right? Lord, I give you my heart. Thanks, Lara. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you. Every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I live for you, Lord, every breath that I take, every moment.
Father, we do give you our heart today. We want to walk with you, not in the heights of emotion, but in the strength of a real walk with you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, don't forget, uh, Pastor Bruce just uh, reminded me, just thinking about him, that we've got a new connections morning tea. If you don't know people, you might have been coming for ages. You go, I don't know if you know me. And uh, I don't know anyone else. Why don't you come and join us? It's in the lounge, straight out the auditorium, the lower level, right in front of you. We'd love to see you there. I think that'll kick off in about 15 minutes. Is that right? Is that so? Just give people time to go to the restroom or go pick up children if they have it. But anyway, you can go whenever you like. We'll preach you there. It'll be our joy to do that. I pray you'll have an amazing week. Really do. I pray you'll be a blessing. And I pray you'll grow and you'll build this week in Jesus' name. God bless you.